That's just because I enjoy that. All right. I want you to please pray for our high school guys, because the high school guys, it is very illegal for us to try to witness to them. If they ever felt like we were trying to, and this is a word that we would never use there, convert. And that's what they think of a Christian. A Christian is trying to convert me to something else. Now, a Jewish person that believes in Christ is not converted in their mindset. Okay, I mean, sorry, in his mindset, he is converted. He's no longer Jewish. All right, that's how they see it. Again, I mentioned that you can become Muslim, you can become Hindu, you can become whatever you want to be, atheist, you still stay Jewish. But if you believe in Christ, now you're no longer Jewish. So for them, that's a conversion. So if they feel like you are trying to convert them over to something else, to become something else, and I look at it as, you know what, I'm just trying to get them to see that Jesus is their Messiah. I'm not trying to convert them from anything away from what they're Jewish, except for their worldview and who they believe God is, and who Jesus is, and that He is the Messiah. So pray for our high school guys. You know, that there's different ways that um, we've been able to have a little bit of a influence with them. Sometimes they'll ask a question. One guy asked me, he said, hey coach, and I, I take eight guys with me to practice in our van. And um, Nancy hates that because the van's not really good van. And it has a, it could flip over maybe. Uh, it never has. But that doesn't mean it couldn't, or the brakes could be lost going down the hill. There's a number of things that could happen with my van. All right. Um, but this a guy's in the back and he says, Hey coach, do you know of any good football movies? And I said, Yeah, I do. I said, There's uh Facing the Giants. There is uh Woodlawn. It's a good good uh, football movie. There's a few other Christian ones I mentioned. I can't think of them off the top of my mind. And so so he's like, oh, okay. And he's looking him up on his phone. And he must have went back and watched him because the next practice, he says, hey, coach, how come, how come all the football movies are about Christian and are about God? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, football, uh, there's a lot of things that we teach in football that the Bible talks about. Discipline in football is very important. Discipline in what God talks about, disciplining your life is, is very important. Courage, strength. All right, teamwork, being a team player, all those things are really important. So I was able to use that a little bit. But pray for these guys because we need we need ways that we can really, I guess, minister to them more. Um, we have a great spirit on our high school uh, team. They love um, they love coming to practice. They love practicing. We've not normally had that, um, but pray for them spiritually that God will open up their eyes. All right, Psalm nineteen. All right, if you will turn to Psalm 19. This is one of my uh, favorite psalms. I'm sure you will recognize it. A couple weeks ago when Nancy was up here and I was down near Cincinnati, um, my brothers and I gave my uh, mom an 80th birthday present where we sent her to... um, the new ark to see the new ark that they've built in the creation museum. She hadn't seen that. And, um, since she had heard that the ark was going to be built, it was her dream to see it. And so it really meant a lot to her. My mom is the one that taught me, uh, creationism when I was in, in grade school before all of the ICR and all the other things were out there. She was teaching me the truth of creation. And so we had, uh, my brothers, we took this opportunity to, to send her there, and when she told one lady, asked her if she would go with her, 
uh, four other ladies says, can we come too? And my brother and I, we, there, we went with her and we, we met her and taken mom around and, and seen everything and it was incredible. And you have to go see the ark. Has anybody seen it? Okay. Unbelievable. I, I'm unbelievable the size of it. I just, I was in shock. I really was. Absolutely in shock of the size and, and, it was amazing. Creation Museum. You've been there? Few of a okay. Creation Museum. It's really good too. Okay? Really good. I encourage you to go. Um, okay. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You will see this at the Creation Museum. You'll see this at, at the Ark Encounter. This idea that the heavens are the one that declare God's glory. And within Psalm 19, we kind of have the two different revelations of God. We have the revelation of God through that which has been created, all right, mentioned, and we also will have the revelation of God through His Word. Okay, but he starts out with what does everybody see? How do we see, uh, God? What do we see as creation around us? Okay, so the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. All right, look what happens. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. Every day and every night, that speech that God is a mighty God, all right, that God has formed the things around here is uttering that speech. Actually, it's screaming it out that there is a God and that God created. That's why the Bible says, the fool has said what? He has said in his heart, there is no, because you have to be an absolute fool to look around and see creation, to see the stars, to see the sun, to see the moon, to believe that those, that there is no God. You have to be a fool to believe that. Because it is so absolutely plain and obvious from the things that are made that there is a God. And that's an amazing thing because the big push today in what we face in Israel, the two world views that we look at is, is there, was there God at creation and, and a God that we are under and a God that has the right to tell us how to live and to tell us what to do? Or did everything just happen on its own and we can do whatever we want? Because that really is today the two world views that are clashing together. All right. And that's why the side over here that just believes we can do whatever we want hates the side over here that believes there is a God and will teach it. And they're going to just say, yeah, 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 there is no God. There is no God. No matter what they see, no matter what science comes up, no matter what happens, there is no God. Why? Because I don't want to obey him and I don't want to be under his authority. But it's not because of the facts and the truth and the science that's out there. Then it just it boils my blood when guys will sit there and talk about evolution and stuff. I said, will you please give me just one fact of evolution? One, one truth that you have seen anything happen, you know, and they'll come up with all these things. I said, listen, take a tomato plant. Okay, you have a tomato plant. That tomato plant is never going to become a dog. And I don't care how many years you give it, you are never going to go from a tomato plant to a dog. And that's being generous in the illustration. You know why? Because you actually have a tomato plant. All right? If I step on a fly and squash it and kill it, there's more chance of the fly coming back to life and living and becoming a dog than there is it from coming from nothing, correct? Because you had everything there available to be a fly. But now it's about this big around. Do you understand? 
It's absolute foolishness. And God says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day utter a speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You understand? There's not a place on planet earth that that voice of God being the creator is not heard. Not a place. There's not a people group. There's not anybody that can't understand that truth that there is a God and God is the one that created. Not not a place. It speaks every single day. Verse 4, their line talking about kind of what is written. Okay, The line that is written is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. And this is again the heavens and the firmament that are being talked about. Just the heavens, just the firmament. We haven't even got into on planet earth the grass and the trees and bugs and all the things that work together. This is just looking at the sky and just the sun. That these things are supposed to be so obvious. Okay, verse 5, sorry, the last part of verse 4. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, and now he gives glory, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. Okay, isn't that that wonderful to see the sun rise? Some of you say, no, it comes up way too early. All right, way too early to see that sunrise. I love working early in the woods and seeing the sun come up. All right, especially when it was when it was going to be a nice warm day. All right, nice bright clear day. I loved watching that happen. The sun coming up, showing that glory of God. Verse six: His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. All right, that is the revelation that God has given in just the heavens and the firmament. Okay, just those two things. God has given witness of Himself and who He is. We know that uh, from Romans, Paul talks about this, right? That they are without what? Excuse, okay? Because of the things that are made, all right? Even His eternal Godhead, okay? All these things are visible from creation. And to tell you the truth, sometimes I've heard the creationists say that, and I'm going, am I missing it? Because I don't plainly see some of those things from creation. I mean, I see that God created. I see that God is a God of order. I see that God is all these things. But am I really seeing who God is as a, as a creator in what has been created? And so I, I understand some ways where people that don't believe in God would miss stuff. But I don't believe how they can miss the big picture of it. Okay, The little things, I can see that. Because I know I miss some of those things. And you've heard all the things about... Um, you know, that how creation teaches the, the Trinity, okay? And you hear all those things, and they're all great and wonderful, and I'm sure they work, okay? <laughs> if, if you take too, an illustration too far, then it always falls apart, okay? Um, so I understand those, that, that there are some great pictures within even creation that, that you have three in one, okay? It's a marvelous thing. But look at verse 7. Okay, He's going to take a switch. David is, is praising God. And remember, this is King David. Okay, These are, um, these are people that didn't have the great satellites that we have. Okay, The great telescopes to look out and see the glory. And if you go to the Creation Museum, do not miss. Okay, And I stress this. It costs a little bit extra. But do not miss the planetarium. Okay? Do not... It's unbelievable. Um, we're not as big as we think we are. Okay, 
the universe is big. Okay, it's not just big, it's enormous. It's not just enormous, it's huge. It's beyond your wildest dream how big it is out there. I mean, really, it just, you can't even calculate it. Well, they say they can, but they really can't. You know, the solar systems and just the, and they go through this planetarium thing and it's, it's, did you guys that went to the Creation Museum go through it? Did you fall asleep with the chair that leans back? Oh, you fell asleep. All right. It, I'm telling you, it is unbelievable. Blow your mind. Okay? It will blow your mind. But Dave, think of the people back then. What did they do at night? Okay, They would sleep at night. They would look up at the stars. They didn't have all the light pollution that we have. All right. They didn't have all the things that would... And in Israel, it's clear. I mean, it's the, the air is crystal clear. And the stars are unbelievable. Any of you been up on a mountain? Okay. Really high with crystal clear air and see the stars? It's unbelievable. Okay. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And that, what I think is David is just saying, listen, this is what it's like. And then he comes to the law. Verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. We sometimes look at law as not a good thing, right? You know, it's too many laws. Too many laws. And it's true, you can have too many laws. But, but he says, listen, the law of the Lord, the law that God has given to us is, is perfect, okay? Converting the soul. Why is that? Because it makes us see that we are not perfect. Why? Because we can't keep the law. That's the problem with the, the whole Jewish thing right now is they can't keep the law. Okay? The, the law proves that we can't keep it and it's perfect and it converts our soul. Why? Because we realize we're not perfect. We have to, we need God. Okay? We have to rely on God. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise who? The simple. So God says, I created the heaven and earth and simple people that can look at a bug and go, there's no way that can happen on its own. Okay, coming from whatever plant you want to do. That just can't happen. Why? Because it's plain old common sense. And the testimony, God can give those testimony, and it's sure testimony. He's not lying to us. He's not telling us that, you know, I did this, but I really didn't. doesn't work that way. His testimony of what He has done and what He said, it's sure. And it makes us the simple. Anybody simple? I know I am. I gotta have things spelled out a lot. Alright? I don't understand. They've written books about what I don't understand about football. Lots of books. I've read lots of books I don't understand about football. When I get done reading, I still don't understand what they're talking about. Alright? Making wise who? The simple. Okay? Can you understand number two running through the two hole? So then in a game, I only have to say, hey, let's run 22 dive. 22 dive is the two back through the two hole. Isn't that simple? So everything has to be that way. I had a play. I didn't even know what to call it because I wasn't sure what we were doing. We called it the cool play. It had to be simple. Hey, run the cool play. We scored, I don't know how many touchdowns on the cool play. All right? The simple, the, the, the statutes of the Lord... Sorry, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right. Think of how many statutes we have in America that are not right. Doesn't that just drive you nuts when foolish people are in charge and put in foolish statutes? 
All these different little rules and regulations that you can do, they're just absolute nonsense. You know how hard it is to get things done because of it? You know, I mean, some places are so... you building a house, all right? You build all the different codes that you've got to go through that some of them are just plain ridiculous, just plain crazy. But God, His statutes are right. And what do they do when a statute is right? It rejoices your heart. When it's not, don't you just like, oh, for crying out loud. What a dumb rule. And why should we do that? But for, for God, they're right and they rejoice your heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That command, the commands that God give, they, they're, they're absolutely pure. There's no, there's no deception in the midst of His commandments. Okay, I want you to do this. It is a pure commandment. All right, it, it's powerful. It's strong. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And that's that idea of, listen, when we see a commandment, we should go, ah, I see. I see why that's important. I see why that's a good thing to do. Okay, a command that he's been given. You know, don't stick your hand in the chipper. That's a good rule, right? That's a command. All right, when you're blocking for somebody in football... All right, don't grab his head and throw him down. Why? Because it's a penalty, and that's a command. Don't do that, okay? Don't do this. Don't do that. And when it's good and proper, it enlightens your eyes, and you understand that it makes sense. And God's commands make sense. All right, this book is incredible that way. Verse 9, forgot where I was there. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Isn't that amazing? You know, I, I, there's a lot of, lot, of, uh, lot of people that don't have that fear of the Lord. And some people think, oh, you shouldn't fear the Lord because He's all about love. There's a lot about the Lord that we need to fear. All right? Fear for God's judgment. Fear for um, um, doing what's right. Okay, I, that that should be that should be something that we are going to do right because there is a fear. All right, I, and listen, I want my guys in football to do stuff because they fear me a little bit. All right, I want them to do it right. Listen, if you don't do it right, you see that fence over there? You're going to go touch that fence. You're going to run down there, and you're going to run back. And it's amazing what that will do to people. That fear will cause them to begin to do things right because they realize that it's going to hurt and it's painful. All right? Just kind of as in spanking. And when a kid knows he's going to be spanked, it changes things. It changes things. All right? That fear brings about good in him. The, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. If we are fearing the Lord, that thing is going to get passed on, passed on, passed on, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That's a wonderful thing. How much, how many judgments have we seen come down that are just nuts? You know, that are not according to truth. They're not, not strong and powerful. All right. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold. All right. These things that were listed. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. We just happened to sing a song that talked about that. Okay, that, that I'd rather have Jesus than all these things. And he says, more to be desired are these things than what? 
than gold, okay, than riches, than anything else. We should be striving after that. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb. Verse 11, moreover, by them is thy servant, what? Warned. Yeah, that's a good thing. Have you ever been going a certain direction and somebody warns you, don't, don't go there or look out? Okay. We have, uh, the Delightons would love our house in Israel. Okay. All of my ceilings are about, or all, sorry, all, all of my doorways are right here. Okay. I mean, I know right where they are because I have a mark. Okay. And so all of the doorways we have, I have to do this as I go through. And so anytime I have a tall people come, they start to walk in and go, look out, you know, watch out for your head, which when they're trying to translate in their mind because they're walking. And so they hear, watch out for your head in their mind. They're going, watch out for my head. And they hit it because they're trying to translate that from English to Hebrew. Okay. And some of the coaches that have come wrap their head and they're all concrete, too. Okay. All the walls are concrete. I've sharpened up the edges, so they're really sharp now. Just kidding. But warning. It's good to be warned when danger's coming. Okay? It's good to be warned. Moreover, by them, these things is thy servant warned. If you don't hear it, how are you going to be warned? What good is a warning after? Somebody walks in, bang, hits their head, watch your head. Yeah, thanks. I found that out already. Okay? Would have been much better if you'd have told me beforehand. All right. It's that idea. Listen, if you don't read it, if you don't understand it, you're not going to be warned. So by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is what? What kind of reward? We don't believe that. Do we? I'm talking to myself. Okay, you can talk to yourself. Okay, talk to the one next to you. You don't believe it. Because it doesn't change the way we live. Hardly. If we really believed, if I really believed there was great reward in keeping these things, I think I would live differently. And probably you do too. To see that, you know what, the things that are contained in this book, and remember, David only knows Old Testament. David only knows the law that was given by Moses. All right. He only knows that. He doesn't know that grace that Christ showed on us. That God would send His own Son to die for us. And if we think, you know what, by these things there's great reward. We, you know, sometimes we think about what it's going to be like in heaven. We go, wow, that's great reward. But I think there's great reward here. But it's not in what we put value on. Because He said before, He says, more to be desired are they than gold. Okay. And we only think of reward as what? As gold. But in, in these things and in keeping of them, there is great reward. What's the most valuable thing in your life? I mean, really, what is the most valuable thing that you have in your life? I'm beginning to realize, for me, family is of more value than anything else. I mean, besides the word. I'm, I'm just talking of great reward of, you know... Obviously, my salvation and things like that. But family, God created family. I know two years ago I spoke on, on family and how God, does, you know, it was His design, it was first institution, was husband and wife. That's how much value God puts upon the family. And so this great reward is if we are keeping those things, if I am a father, I'm keeping 
the, the things about God's word, then there's going to be great reward. And if family is important to me, then what's going to happen in my family, maybe? Great reward in my family. Okay, it's going to be great reward maybe at my work for keeping these things. But I, it not always looks like a reward, does it? Because everybody hates us. Don't they? You live like Christ at the workplace and they hate your guts. Live like Christ at uh, in school, they think you're a weirdo. So we don't see, what are we looking for? Great reward? Who's great reward? What great reward? What are we looking for? Do you understand what I'm saying? That great reward is not, I think, what we're looking for. We need to change what we see as a great reward. I can tell you that these... This last year and however many months it is, while we've been learning patience, waiting for our visa to come through, because this is how it would work. I turn in my paperwork and I wait three months to hear because that's pretty normal. And so then I would go and say, how's my paperwork? And they said, what paperwork? Who are you? I said, well, who am I? I've been doing this for five years. Okay, you've you've got to know. Okay, I'm the one that comes in and bugs you. All right. Oh, we don't have your paperwork. Okay, so I resubmit and I have to go get all the new paperwork. Because I turned in the originals, which you have to turn in, which means if you turn in the originals, you no longer have originals. Okay, so I had to go get new originals and turn those in. And I turn them in, and I wait, wait a while, and I go in and say, how's my paperwork coming? And I go, what paperwork? You know, And it makes sense because the office runs from about right here to probably about right here, and there's two desks. There's a lady at this desk, and there's a lady at this desk, and probably this much room separates the two desks. And I'm supposed to turn in the paperwork to this lady who wasn't there. And I asked this lady, could you please give it to that lady when she comes back? Sure, I'll do that. And so I left. And I come back three months later, and I said, do you have my paperwork? Nope. Don't know where it's at. Haven't seen it. You know, So we do that three times, and now finally we have this thing. But through all of that, through all that time spent on our knees praying, asking God for a visa, and trusting that He's going to do it, my relationship with my wife is so much better than it was before that struggle. That's a good thing. That is great reward. The hours that we spent on our knees praying for those things have brought us, I think, closer together as a husband and wife than we were ever before. And it was what? It was the struggle that did it. Was it the good times? All right, and you'll find that in your life. It is the struggles in your life that bring you closer to God. And with that is what? Great reward. Verse 12, who can understand his heirs? All right, that's saying who, who can give a one heir of God? There's nobody that has enough underst- has any understanding that God has made any heirs. Okay, who can understand his heirs? Because there are none. Then he says, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Okay, the faults that maybe I really don't know about. Okay, cleanse me from those, keep me clean. But look what he says in verse 13. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins, sins that I know I'm doing. Keep me back. God, keep, hold me back from those sins that you know I love to do. All right, and we, I I think that's a good prayer for us because we all love sins because sins are fun. All right, that's why we do them. If we all, I don't eat tuna because I hate it. All right? I sin because I love it. I don't sin because I hate it. Do you understand? 
Keep me back, Lord. Keep me back from sin and hold me back. Keep me back. Keep back thy servant also, verse 13, from presumptuous sins. Let them not have what? Dominion over me. And that is such a good word for what it's like when we're in our sin, isn't it? We're doing what we want and sinning what we want. It's like this thing that's just holding over us. Let it not have dominion. Let it not have that power and that that authority over us when we're in our sin. Keep me, hold me back from it and don't let it have that dominion over me where it's consuming me, all right, and eating me up. Then he says, then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Now, I don't have enough wisdom to know what the great transgression is, okay? But it's great. Doesn't it say that? All right, what, what, is, what is sending more people to hell than anything else? Hmm? Pride. It's true. Okay, I can get there on my own, my own work. Okay, down the lines of what I'm thinking. What keeps people from hell is they don't recognize Jesus as the Messiah and will not receive Him. Pride keeps them from receiving Christ as their Savior. It's not alcohol. It's not homosexuality. It's not drugs. It's not all these things. None of those things keep somebody from hell. It's the fact that you will not receive Christ as your Savior. That's the only thing that keeps you from hell. None of the outward sins, none of, the, none of those things. It's your rejection of the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? It's not something that we think of a sin of doing bad. That's why people go, well, if I be a Christian, do I have to give up everything? Well, you'll want to. <laughs> if you become a Christian, won't you? You should. You should want to give those things up. It's not a have to. It's a want to. Why? Because of what the one did for you, dying on the cross. All right, keep... Back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Here's one of my favorite verses, and and one that I just, I, I love to pray this one. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in whose sight? In God's sight. Okay? Let my words and let the meditation of my heart, what I think about, let it be acceptable in your sight, God. Because if it's, if it's about what's acceptable to me or to somebody else, that doesn't mean nothing. Alright? That is worthless. It has to be what is acceptable in your sight. And to find out what's acceptable in God's sight, you have to be in this book to understand it. You have to know what the book says. You have to be reading the book. You have to understand it and seek out God. I truly believe that because God is a God of truth, and God has given us truth, that truth is findable. Okay? If we don't understand something or know something, we can find the truth in God's Word. No matter necessarily what it is, unless He said you can't know this. So don't come to me and say, I know the truth of when the rapture is going to happen. i got a date and a time. I said, no, you don't. God said it. you won't know. And the truth is, you don't and you can't. All right, Because people will do that, won't they? I found out this mystery that nobody else knows in the whole universe about God by reading this verse. <laughs> Beware of somebody that ever does that, okay? Because they don't know, all right? But God has given us truth in His Word, truth about life, truth about family. You can know the truth, and the truth can what? Set you free. Amazing thing. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, and this is what I love, David understands where the power comes from to be able to accomplish what he's prayed. Okay, he says, my strength. That God has to be the strength. Did, did David have the Holy Spirit indwelling him all the time? 
Okay, that he could could have the Spirit speaking to him, the Comforter, as you're going to John talks about. Okay, in the next chapter in John that you guys are going through, that Comforter is going to come to them and is going to lead them into all truth. David didn't have that dwelling in him. He says, "But you are my strength." Okay, and you are my what? My Redeemer. He understood that God is the one that redeems people back. That God is the one that has bought us back. And that's a beautiful picture, that that picture of redemption. And I believe, you know what, that goes all the way back to creation. We have a need of a redeemer because of right after creation, you had the first fall and the fall of sin, the fall of man, and putting man into a situation where they will need a redeemer. And David understood, I think, that whole story. So thankful that God has given to us what we see outside, Okay, the, the moon, the stars, all those things. God has given us His Word. God has given us truth to understand who is. We have no excuse before God. And you know what? The guys, the people in uh, Papua New Guinea, the people in Africa that don't have anybody giving them the gospel, they still have truth. They have enough in creation to know that there is a God and that they're responsible to that God. All right, And I believe, I truly believe this, that if, if there is somebody there that says, I see all these things, God, show me something that either God's going to, God's going to give them some sort of a witness that they can understand, that they can hear, that they can see. Because God's faithful. God is a God of love. Not, God's going to go, ah, you almost made it. Sorry. Kick them out. Doesn't work that way. Okay? He will send. He will send somebody. God is a faithful God. Let's get into his book. Listen, this should be our opinion on everything, right? Everything. This is my opinion. You want my opinion here? Read this. Okay, this, this is what my opinion is. Because if it's not with what God wants or in line with God, then it's a bad opinion. All right? I want my opinions to line up with God, what God thinks, not what some man thinks. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you again for...